Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It is a pleasure to be with you once again today. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are safe, warm, and enjoying it. And and we are certainly glad to have another day of being able to enjoy Grizzlies basketball. But to make it even better, I am glad to welcome back a familiar name uh, who now covers the Pistons, but did cover the Grizzlies last year for the Athletic. You know him well. His name is Omari Senkofa. Omari, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, it's funny. Detroit and Memphis currently have the same weather, so I'm just trying to stay warm, same as you are. But happy to be back on the show. How things been going, sir? It's going well, man. It, 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 it's a pleasure to talk with you. You know, I wish that we could have a few hours to talk because there's been plenty of development as far as a Marvel and things like that goes with WandaVision. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but I wanted to, you know, it was really excited to be able to reach out to you to get you, you know, uh, available to be back on the show here because we got so much to talk about you know the Pistons the Grizzlies I I think that there's a lot uh, to be talked about with them because both of them right now are still going through a rebuild though they may be at different stages and so I think it's a lot of fun um, to get your perspective on it you know now having been able to see two different rebuilds up close. So you could certainly find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC, the podcast, wherever podcasts are available. But Omari, let's jump right into it. So obviously, you covered the Grizzlies last year up until the point that the season was suspended. Then there was the opportunity for you to head back home, obviously, to you know uh, go to Detroit to, to cover the Pistons, a great opportunity that it seems like you've thrived in you know, over the past year or so. But when you look at... What you experienced when covering the Grizzlies from the summer of 19 through their initial season and what you experienced, you know, during this offseason with Detroit, you know, what did you kind of gather from seeing two different experiences when it comes to rebuilding that really has to be there from the beginning for rebuilds to be successful? Um, yeah, I think one thing that uh, was sort of in common with the Pistons and the Grizzlies is that you had eras that were no longer uh really working out you know you look at, at memphis you have marcus Allen and mike Conley. uh you know obviously a part of the court four but uh that 2018-19 season uh you know you start off hot and then you kind of fizzle out toward the end and it's just clear that the the, the feeling for that group you know was no longer that that high so you just sort of kind of have a, a wholesale flesh you, you trade mike Conley, you trade marcus uh you, you bring a new front office in and, uh, you know, just sort of a, a fresh start and a new philosophy. And uh, really had some, some luck, obviously, getting the, the number two pick and getting Ja. Uh, but, you know, but it's been very, I think they've been very proactive in uh, just sort of getting the work done early, you know, making those trades to get young guys in who could join your young core. Uh, obviously, nailing your, your, your draft picks. You know, you have Brendan Clark in the, toward the back half of the second round or first round. And he's been good. You know, you look at Desmond Bain and, uh, Xavier Tillman, who both look like great picks relative to where they were drafted. Uh, you know, I think with Memphis, it's just been a, an approach of maximizing what you have. You're not always going to have a high draft pick. You're not always going to have assets that you know, are going to bring back a big return, but just sort of opportunistically finding value where you can. And uh, I think we've seen that a similar situation with the Pistons so far. Uh, you have, you know, Blake Griffin, who was um, – who Stan Van Gundy traded for three years ago, and uh, you know, and then they they uh, fire Stan Van Gundy, and you have some success. Uh, they went to the playoffs. You have that core of Blake Griffin, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, and uh, and the ceiling for that group just wasn't that high. Uh, you had two guys in Blake and Reggie who have had injury woes. You know, Drummond who uh, wasn't quite 
the franchise player you needed him to be. And, uh, you know, just, I think, very similar. You know, you know, they traded Drummond, didn't get a huge return back, only a second-round pick, and, uh, you know, and basically just cap space. And um, and then they they uh, bring in new leadership with, with Trey Weaver. And uh, I think, you know, Trey has been very aggressive as well. Uh, you see him bring in a lot of draft picks uh, for this past draft. So you have uh, Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay. Uh, you pick a point guard with your lottery pick and, and Killian Hayes. And then again, you know, just finding value where you, where you can. Uh, last week they traded Derrick Rose and you get the second round pick and Dennis Smith back. And uh, Dennis Smith has only played four games, but he's been better uh, each game compared to the last. So, uh, you know, I think when you're a rebuilding team and you're a small market like uh, the Pistons and, and the Grizzlies are, uh, the margin for error is pretty thin. You know, you have teams that can basically be in a state of rebuild for, for years, right? It seems like Minnesota and Sacramento have been rebuilding for like the last decade. Uh, so you have to find value where you can. And I think that's sort of been similar with both of these teams is that um, and it's still pretty early in the process for, for Troy Weaver, but just finding value where you can, getting guys that you fit your culture and kind of fit what you think the philosophy of the, the team should be. And then just kind of let the cards fall where they may. So just a mix of being aggressive, but also being patient and just kind of not forcing things where you need to, I think has been pretty similar between the two teams. And yes, you know, to make a rebuild happen, you know, the Grizzlies, you know, a bit of luck came out on their end with getting Jaron Jackson, with getting John Moran. But I think patience is the key. You're going to have to be patient, especially in a market where you don't usually see free agents come on a regular basis like Detroit and Memphis. You're going to have to see it through Make right decisions, let it come to you. But one of the things that could become a bit more difficult is keeping the fan base intrigued. Now, for Memphis, they've run into you know some success doing that from gaining a young core through the draft and drafting really well. The hope is, is that Detroit, in their first year of a rebuild, started that also. But a name that I know many Memphis fans would love to hear an update on is Josh Jackson. I think that another way that Detroit and Memphis have both succeeded as far as the rebuild so far, is that they've signed, maybe not stars, but reserve-type talents that have stories you want to cheer for, that have stories that you want to see succeed. Grayson Allen is an example here in Memphis, but I think in Josh Jackson's case in Detroit and Grayson Allen's case here in Memphis, and also drafting well, these or these organiza- both organizations are doing good finding multiple ways to keep their fan bases intrigued despite the year's worth of rebuild that it's going to have to take for them to get back to being sustainable winners. Uh, no doubt. Uh, and, and Josh is one of the, I think several moves Trey's made early that, you know, seem like they're going to be home runs a uh, bit of an off night last night, but think of his last seven games before that, since basically the end of January, he was averaging 18 points a game off the bench, uh, high percentages overall. And, and, and from three, uh, you know, I know a lot of Memphis fans just, you know, from my, uh, timeline and, and mentions that's been following Josh's uh, progression, and uh, you know it seems like he's taking some lessons from from Memphis and are applying them here in Detroit. But that's that's one thing that I think I noticed just from covering the Grizzlies and the Pistons is that fans like rebuilding; they like the idea of you know what guys can become, but they don't like watching losing. And I think that both Zach Kleinman and Trey Weaver have approached this as we're not going to just tank and do our re- rebuild solely through trying to get the highest draft picks possible. Um, you know, if we can find the young guys who fit our culture, who are going to play hard and still have that upside to become something bigger down the road. And we can go down fighting every night 
uh, that's going to build a stronger culture than maybe something like the, the process where you're basically just trying to win 15 games every year. And, you know, just for a shot at a number one pick, you know, especially if the lottery odds now, I don't think that strategy really works as well because you can throw an entire season away and still end up with the fourth pick or even the fifth pick. So uh, fan bases, you know, like fan bases say that they like rebuilds, but really fan bases like winning. They don't like watching losing. They don't like, uh, you know, watching a, a, a team struggle. It's not fun. You know, you could tell just from uh, the metrics on, on, on stories you write when a team's doing well versus a team that's not doing well. Uh, people like winning. Uh, people don't like watching teams that are just laying down every night and not even trying. Uh, so I think, you know, just from the standpoint of wanting to build a winning culture, uh, neither the Pistons or, or, or the Grizzlies are really approaching their rebuilds from the standpoint that they just want to lose games. You know, they want to get young talent in. Uh, but they want depth, right? They still want veterans in the locker room who are going to sort of, you know, guide the team in the right direction. Uh, you know, I know Jonas Valanciunas, uh, you know, they, the, the Grizzlies signed him to a big deal. And there are some people who were like, well, you have Jan, you know, why do you need to, you have Brandon Clark, why do you need to sign a traditional center to a, this big contract? You know, but Jonas, you know, he's embraced Memphis and he has provided that veteran presence for this team, and that stuff matters. You know, you want guys who want to show up to work every day, you want them to try hard and, and, and practice, and I think competition is good. So, uh, yeah, so I think there's a lot of similarities between what both teams are doing, but they're both approaching this as we don't want to lose, we want to compete, we want to go about down swinging every night. And, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I think both teams have slightly outperformed maybe what was expected of them. Uh, we see the Grizzlies sort of fight their way into – playoff contention uh, last year and it came down to the wire in that, in that bubble against Portland. And uh, the Pistons only have eight wins, but I mean, they've really played a lot better than their record. You know, they've been in almost every single game except maybe four or five this season. And they've also put off some big wins against a really hard schedule at that, the hardest schedule in, in the league. So I think as the season goes on, we're going to see them win more games. And, uh, and they're not really going to look like a rebuilding team. I think they're going to end up probably winning enough games to where uh, you're still in the lottery, but you're not like toward the bottom of the NBA. I think you hit the nail on the head. The focus should be on the future. The focus should be on doing all that you can to be a sustainable winner. But part of that equation is making sure that there is a culture and that there are behaviors and there are methods in place that are going to allow for you to you know maintain that um, commitment to winning there, even when you get the talents there. And the other thing about it is, is that, you know, I think that Kleiman and Weaver are both leading front offices that show they're not going to look into being a sustainable winner in time. They've got the ability themselves to add value, to really make a difference, especially when it comes into the future to where they're going to need to make more significant moves to hopefully turn their two teams into a contender. But the thing about it is, is that both the Pistons and Grizzlies have already made moves for their present and future that have really made things accelerate as far as their rebuilds go. Coming up, I'll talk specifically about a few of those moves with Omari when we return to the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast. As many of us know, getting a good night's sleep is much easier said than done, but that certainly can change if we were to consider CBDMD. The thing about it is, is that you no longer have to worry because our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to get the sleep you deserve. CBDPM blends melatonin and other sleep-promoting ingredients with 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And to make it even easier to get the year started off right, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you offer the, when you use the promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code MBA, 
for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Regardless of the sports that you love to watch and the athletes that you love to cheer for, there are plenty of reasons why we all like to have fun when it comes to watching sports. For whatever reason that may be, there's plenty of options out there right now, even with football now being in the rearview mirror. Basketball, UFC, NHL, college basketball, Major League Baseball spring training is right, is now starting up and this regular season is right around the corner. But if you're in fun involves wagering and profit, profiting a little bit off the sports that you love, I've got one place that has you covered and one place that that you can trust, and that is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports actions. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and put in the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. So, Amari, before we get into a few of the moves that the Pistons have made that are similar or, in my opinion, even a model for what the Grizzlies should go after in times, Want to get your opinion first. I know it's been from a distance, and I know it's been several months, but the Grizzlies this year, obviously probably not the same level of surprise success that you saw last year. Obviously, a big reason why is because of the talents that um, are, are have been on the men due to injuries, but a lot of development, and a lot of development in the way that Taylor Jenkins wants this roster to evolve. Your overall impression of this Grizzlies team so far in their second season under Taylor Jenkins? Yeah, I think they're fun. I think it's been hard to maybe get a full read on where they're at just because they have been so injured. You know, you have a, like key guys and Jaron and, and, and Justice Winslow who you're still kind of kind of waiting on to get back. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think no no – Rebuild is, is, is linear, and you're going to have step backs here and there just because of things you can't control and because it's hard to predict how guys who are 19, 20, 21 are going to progress. Uh, you know, with that said, you know, I've been able to watch the Grizzlies here, here and there, um, and it's still it's like a, a fun team. I mean, you look at the rookies, you have Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman. Uh, I think they've both been good, you know, especially when you compare it to their draft position. Uh, they were both sort of the – and I, I remember you actually uh, – you, you wrote a story before the, the, the draft on sort of the uh, sort of the advanced stats from the guys who kind of fit the general profile of who the Grizzlies front office would go after. And, you know, Tillman and, and Bain were both on there. Uh, you know, they both look like good good players. And I think we've seen enough of them this season so far that, you know, makes you feel pretty confident that, uh, you know, whenever the Grizzlies are, that perennial playoff team, they'll be a part of it and they'll be uh, a part of that. Uh, winning, you know, they're, they're they're both good, smart players who who play defense, can move the ball, can shoot. You know, they do everything you want, sort of in a modern wing and a, a modern big. Uh, ja, you know, a bit of an up and down season compared to last year. Uh, you know, I think when you're a young point guard, I think he exceeded expectations last season, uh, and he's had an injury this year. He had he had the, the ankle sprain. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's something that 
is worrying, you know, in, in, in preseason, you know, you see him taking pull-up threes and just doing stuff he didn't do last season. So, uh, you know, his, his development is going to continue. At the end of the day, he's still, you know, one of the best athletes in the league, best passers in the league. You know, that, that's, that's going to bode well for him. Uh, you definitely want to see that three-point percentage tick up a little bit, though. I think last I checked, he was at 29%. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be a, a focus for him going forward. But uh, overall, you know, I think this Grizzlies team is, is, is fine. If you get a good pick this year, then that's only going to aid the rebuild. Uh, you know, young guys are still playing well. You, know, you see Kyle Anderson knocking down threes. So that's huge. Brandon Clark's finding his momentum. Still a lot to like. Uh, you know, definitely not maybe quite the leap forward some fans want it, but I think just how injured this team has been, uh, you can kind of live with that. Yeah, and it's it's kind of crazy. I agree with you on John. You know, I, I talk a bit about it myself on today's podcast and mentioned it a few times over the past few weeks. Yes, the strengths, I think, are stronger than you would anticipate. Now, uh, basically, game-wise, a full season into his career, the weaknesses are clearly there. He's got to improve the shooting and defense. But he doesn't necessarily have to improve them to become a star. He's got to improve those to become a superstar because I think the encouraging thing is is the floor that we're seeing with him right now with his shooting and defense being at the levels that they are, he still is at a really high productive floor. Like, maybe not all-star, but right near it, close to it. So that is certainly encouraging. But it's crazy that there's so many similarities between the draft classes recently of the Pistons and um, the Grizzlies. They got their, you know, hopefully franchise point guard of the future in the lottery and John Killian. But now they've also got, um, you know, intriguing young talents, you know, in the front court in Isaiah Stewart, for y'all, and then of course um, um, Clark and um, Tillman for us. But a big, big encouragement for two teams that really needed to improve their overall shooting is they found valuable, very valuable talents in Sadiq Bay for the Pistons and Desmond Bain for the Grizzlies in terms of their shooting. Just how important do you think that is to the overall rebuild and development of this roster to have good shooting sources in Bay for y'all, and obviously the um, um, in Sadiq Bay for the Pistons and Desmond Bain for the Grizzlies? It's huge. I think every team in the NBA could use more shooting. You know, there just aren't enough guys in the NBA who can shoot at a high level and also provide, you know, skills in, in, in other areas. You know, we see a lot of guys who can shoot and can't play defense and they still get paid because it's just not important to have guys like, like can shoot. You know, we see Davis Bertans get paid, you know, this, this, this past off season. Uh, you know, it's probably the most valuable skill you, you can have in the NBA today other than, you know, obviously like just a point guard who can, create for everybody else or just any player who can create for everybody else and like rim protection. So, uh, yeah, Sadiq Bay, he's the reigning use of conference player of the year. Um, you know, I was surprised the Pistons were able to get him at 19 because it seemed like he was consistently top 15 and just about every mock draft because he went to Villanova. And I think, you know, he was pretty much a lock to be able to shoot in the NBA. I don't think anybody questioned his ability to, to shoot. So every single year there's always guys, there's always shooters who end up slipping for no apparent reason other than the fact that you know i just don't think it's like an exciting pick for say you know uh, maybe for the 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 average front front office you know you want a guy that has like upside you want a guy that you think five years from now could be a uh you know a potential star and you know we just see guys like sadiq bay uh you know i remember last year people were surprised when phoenix took uh cam johnson in the lottery and he's been playing really well this season because he gives you shooting you know and he's been doing that uh, Sadiq, one thing I like about Sadiq is that he's not just a shooter. He's shown that he can play make a little bit. Uh, he's shown that he can defend. You know, he's 6'8", you know, strongly built. Uh, I think that'll give him some versatility down the road. 
And uh, he's also been finishing in, in, inside a lot better. Uh, he was shooting like 31%. I looked it up last night, 31% through his first 21 games inside. And it's not that he doesn't have any feel. He's just he, he's a very physical player. And I think for him, it was figuring out exactly how to utilize that inside the paint, you know, picking his matchups better, uh, you know, kind of just like not forcing the issue. But he had some awkward turnarounds that didn't fall. Uh, you know, he was forcing contact. And, you know, you're a rookie. You're not always going to get that, that call. Uh, this past week, he's been finishing inside a lot better. You know, he, you know, cutting a little bit smarter. You know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be, you know, like James Harden. But you know, it's an element of his game that's coming together. And um, you know, I think he's a guy that could eventually become a three-level scorer down the road. So, home run pick, I think, uh, could be for Trey Weaver. Uh, definitely a huge steal to get him with the 19th pick. And you look at, at at the Pistons as a whole, like in the last 10 years, they just haven't had guys like Sadiq Bay. They haven't had big wings that could shoot. You know, you'd have to go back to like. Rip Hamilton and Tayshawn Prince, you know, to look back and see guys who could, young guys who could do that at a, a high level. Uh, you know, so I think nailing those picks early is important, and it kind of shows where really both teams are uh, thinking, right? Pistons and Grizzlies. Uh, shooting is valuable, and, you know, and if you're not filling that hole, then you're going to struggle. It doesn't matter how many picks you nail early on. You know, if, if you can't shoot, it's just not going to work out that well for you. So, uh, you know, I just, I just think it's very smart for them to – prioritize that early rather than later. Agree completely. And that's the thing about it is you're seeing the priorities early from both the Pistons and the Grizzlies on you think that the best way to rebuild is to take as many home run picks as possible and hope a few land. Always draft the higher ceiling guys, the youngest guys with the highest ceiling. But we've seen in the NBA time and time again, that's not the equation. There's so much more in making a pick work. And Sadiq Bay may have an all-star type level um, you know, ceiling. I'm not sure myself. I don't know if Desmond Bain really has that either. But I do think for both of them, there is a high percentage chance that they come become significant talents in the next version of the Pistons and the next version of the Grizzlies that will hopefully be sustainable winners. And it's good to get them in the equation now. I completely agree with you, especially with the shooting value that they add. But there's one area in which I definitely am jealous of the Pistons, Amari, and that was their signing of Jeremy Grant. Now, I know that you, I know when they signed him, there were many in Pistons um, fandom who were not that intrigued about the signing. They, they were questioning about the amount of money that he got, three years, 60 million. I know you were an advocate for the signing. You said, give it time. I also talked with you a few times about giving it time and he shined through. And the reason why I'm jealous is because he's the exact type of talent, though Kyle Anderson has emerged in a similar kind of fashion this year, but not to the level of Grant. Grant is the exact type of free agent addition that would take this Grizzlies team to the next level. Just how awesome has it been seeing Jeremy Grant blossom in his role with the Pistons? Yeah, so I would say that I did not think he would be this good. Um, You know, I thought just based on what he had shown in, in the bubble and what he had done, you know, his previous three seasons with, with OKC and Denver, that he was the type of role player that could live up to that contract, you know, regardless of what offensive improvements he he made. Yeah, like three years, $60 billion, you know, sounds like a lot of money. And, you know, it, it is a lot of money. It's not as much as it used to be. But, uh, you know, he was still going to be a pretty highly paid role, role player. And um, I think even if you didn't think that he was going to ever, ever improve his game, I think some of the – Criticism came from the fact that if you're the Pistons and you're a ways off from contending, uh, is it the best use of cap space to uh, bring in a guy who is, okay, like a very talented role player, but still a role player and not a guy who maybe has that same ceiling as, uh, you know, I guess who else you could 
theoretically get. You know, I think that's one trap people fall into is that in theory you could do better, but then you actually think about it, and it's like, well, can you? You know, it's the Detroit Pistons. You know, you've never really had uh, that sort of pull in the free agency market. You know, so you have to take educated guesses and just get guys in who you know can play. And Jeremy Grant, uh, with the Denver Nuggets last season, was a three-year, sixty million player. You know, he was one of the most versatile defenders in the NBA. Six-eight. You know, we saw him defend everybody from LeBron to Kawhi to Anthony Davis in the bubble. Uh, reliably, you know, like you're not going to sell those guys. You're not going to shut those guys down, but, you know, he could bother pretty much any player in, in the league. Like, that's extremely important. Uh, he got shot uh, 40% from three, uh, you know, his last three seasons. That's big. Uh, so just off the shelf of him being one of the best 3 and D guys in the league, you know, and being filling two skill sets as a, a big wing that can shoot, that's just just I've not had uh, in recent memory. Like, I thought it was a good signing. Like, if he was the exact same player, he is – he was last season and you know, give him a bigger role and, uh, and he can still score reliably, right? Like maybe he's not a 20 points per game score, but he can give you, you know, 15 and good defense every single night. That's a tradable contract. And to me, you know, if the contract is tradable and it can get you value back, it's not a bad contract. You know, it doesn't matter if the business are rebuilding or where they are at. This is a player who can live up to his deal and can return value down the road. So to me, that that's not a, a bad contract regardless of where you are in a, a rebuild. Uh, but with all of that said, he has been significantly better than I think anybody could have expected, except maybe the Pistons, you know, who felt pretty strongly that he could be this type of guy and still think he can get better. You know, he's giving you an efficient, you know, 23, 24 points every night, uh, still defending at a high level. He's taking like more than six three in the game and hitting them at a 40% clip, you know, so he's become a very good three-point shooter. He's an elite three-point shooter. Uh, he's getting to the rim a lot. He's taking a lot of free throws. He's doing things that are sustainable. And we've also seen him take strides forward as a, a playmaker. He's averaging about three assists. His assist percentage is way up. Uh, he's doing a better job of reading the, the, the defense, you know, understanding how they're going to play him and how that can create opportunities for his teammates. No, just he's, he's doing everything right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of hard to nitpick what he hasn't done because what he has done has, you know, put him into the all-star conversation. So, no, I did not think he would be this good, you know, but I think he is comfortably the best free agent signing the Pistons I've made since who knows when, you know, most of their success historically has come through the draft and through the trade market, you know, absolute home run for Troy Weaver early. Uh, you know, I think he's probably in the forefront for the most improved race right now. Uh, he had a career high 43 last night, made like 15 of his 25 shots. Just, I don't think anybody could have expected this. And he's been a sole reason why, uh, you know, I, I, I feel pretty good about the Pistons, you know, maybe going with a run later on this season, just because they have, outperformed expectations a little bit so far, despite only winning eight games. And Amari, you were here, um, and I believe you were here. At the very least, you certainly, um, yes, you were here. You were there for the content that was created from the first big move, the first big opportunity to really show that in Troy Reaver's case, he was different from the regime that previously was there with Detroit. And here in Memphis, Zach Kleiman's first opportunity to show he was different than Chris Rollis's regime. Zach Kleiman hit an absolute home run building off that Mike Conley trade. I certainly think that this Jeremy Grant situation, though it's a different in terms of structure, it does it is similar 
and that you not only get the understanding that your GM now can identify talent, he can make the right moves, but it gives you the confidence in knowing that he's going to consistently be able to make the needed decisions to make this rebuild not only successful, but sustainable. So I think that certainly um, is a, a very good development for the Pistons team, and we certainly can speak to that here in Memphis. But that's not the only decisions that the Pistons have on the horizon. Coming up, I'll talk about probably one of the bigger decisions coming up in all of the NBA moving forward for the Pistons, as well as how the Pistons and Grizzlies match up tonight with Omari. Now, two months into the new year, and if you've still got your New Year's resolutions going strong, congratulations to you. But if you're not, I do still think it's certainly worth pursuing adding small but significant steps to getting healthier. One of the ways that you can do that is by adding a snack to your day that both offers great taste and great health health benefits, and that is Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's a very versatile addition to your day. You can have it in the morning for breakfast and the afternoon for a snack before or after um, a workout or when you're listening to your favorite Locked On podcast episode. However you choose to enjoy it, it's certainly there to add a benefit to your day. It's got 18 great different flavors that you can choose from at BuiltBar.com with a wide variety of different flavors that will meet your taste preferences. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and you put in the promo code Locked On, you'll get 20% off your next order from Built Bar. And I can tell you this, once you add Built Bar to your day, it's going to be there to stay. You can go to BuiltBar.com Put in the promo code locked on and they'll get you squared away. Um, enjoy your day by adding Built Bar. On Friday's edition of Locked On NBA, join Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers and Adam Mayers of Locked On Nuggets for a wrap-up of the biggest stories around the league. Anthony and Adam bring you game recaps, weekend previews, and a weekly NBA power ranking you can't miss. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. Amari, so obviously, you know, the great moves that have been made so far, you know, especially when it comes to a lot of people were thinking, well, what exactly, there didn't seem to be a lot of, you know, in terms of fans, it did not seem to be a lot of structure with the decisions that Troy Weaver made in the offseason, but now it clearly has come together. He's just wanting to get as much talent as possible, and it's shining through. But one other big decision that the Pistons have on the near horizon is what to do with Blake Griffin. It came out over the past few days. There was a mutual decision for, I believe, Griffin to take a step away, not necessarily from the team, but from you know playing until the Pistons figure out his future situation. It seems a buyout may be an option, but I'm not necessarily saying he's going to be a fit for Memphis, but just in general, it does seem to be a big talking point as to what his future holds Detroit and beyond. What are your thoughts on, on how what has occurred so far and what could emerge from that going forward? For sure. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think Blake, you know, whether it was this season or next season was one of the big dominoes to fall, or if not the biggest domino to fall, you know, for this Troy Weaver regime. Uh, he's like the only remaining player, I believe, or maybe him as like Sabine Michael Luke, but um, Makai Luke, I always get his name wrong. <laughs> but he was, uh, you know, I think one of the last remaining remnants from that previous regime and obviously you know a tough situation when you have a guy who is you know making 36 39 million dollars a year and uh you know just isn't playing at that level um which is no fault of of, of his own you know we've seen blake when he's healthy and we know that you know he's one of the best forwards in the nba when he is healthy but that health has been an issue and this season uh you know even a year out from his left knee surgery uh more than a year out at, at this point now he got that surgery uh toward the beginning of january of last year i believe uh, just hasn't really been able to impact the game on that same level. And, um, you know, and now we're at the point now where the Pistons are clearly moving in one direction. And Blake, who's going to turn 32 in March, 
just has different priorities for his career. And, uh, you know, I think from the Pistons standpoint, they do not see any value in, you know, playing Blake every single night when one Blake only has so many miles on his body and he's not impacting winning right now. And two, you have young guys on the roster who can really benefit from that playing time. And, uh, you know, and Blake's going 34 minutes a night and uh, it's taking opportunities away from your young guys. So if I had to guess, I would say it's probably going to be a buyout just because I cannot see a team in the NBA that could match salary and also just it just it just isn't a logical trade for any team in the NBA to bank. You would have to be banking on the fact that uh, the Blake you've seen through 25 games this year is not who he currently is now, and that he's going to get better. And uh, that's that's the big difference between you know like maybe Blake now and and the situation the Grizzlies are in with Mike Conley. Uh, Mike Conley had had some injury woes in the past, but I think you could feel pretty confident that. Uh, he could get back to health and that, you know, even as he approached his mid thirties, he was still going to be a, a difference maker. And uh, he was hurt last year. With Utah. I've ever seen now that when he's healthy, he can still play at a high level. And, uh, you know, and I think Utah would definitely make that, that trade again. Uh, you know, if they had a, a chance to, to redo it. So it worked out for both sides. Pistons are not facing that, you know, they have an asset that probably is not going to get any value. But I think the situation now is, uh, you know, is there a trade out there that, that makes sense? And the answer is probably no. And you're probably at this point just hoping that you can uh, save some money next season because he does have that $39 million player option for this summer. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I think it's a, an unfortunate end for the Blake Griffin era here. Uh, he was phenomenal in 2018-19, you know, led the Pistons to the playoffs. And then uh, actually played on uh, bum knee in, in the playoffs that year. And that might have been what kind of did him in. So, uh, you know, it, it really is unfortunate that Pistons wanted to get him back, you know, to performing at an all-star level. You know, of course, he wanted to get back. But uh, at the same time, you know, this, this is a team that outside of Blake has a pretty inexpensive payroll. You know, you have a lot of guys in their rookie deals. You know, you have Josh Jackson on an inexpensive uh, room exception contract. And then Jeremy Grant, you know, who we talked about, obviously $20 million a year for him as a steal. So uh, if you have to eat Blake's money this year and next year, then it is what it is. You know, you know, you know I don't think they're in a situation where they want to make a big splash in free agency this year anyway. And even if they did allow Blake to ride his contract out, that money's going to be off the books in 2022 one way or another. So for the Pistons, it's just, you know, we got to put a plug on this, you know, if you buy him out or whatever the situation ends up being. You do what's best for him because now he can kind of pick his, his own destiny and get into a better situation. And we can just focus on our young guys and, you know, just roll with them. And, uh, not have this uh, this this need, you know, to kind of play Blake and, and, and get him going, you know, when the best-case scenario there still isn't necessarily rebuild-friendly. So, uh, unfortunate end, but at the same time, I think this is something that down the road, it won't matter that much anyway because the Pistons are young, they are cheap, you know, they don't have a big need for the money that is going to be on the books for the next two seasons. Well, certainly hope that that works out in the case of Blake Griffin. I know that you know uh, he, he he certainly has been a, a lightning rod of uh, of criticism, and he's probably been one of the the bigger quote unquote villains of uh, of Grizzlies fandom. You know, since he's been in the league, and for for right reasons with the rivalries that were there between the Clippers and the Grizzlies. But I think that it's clear throughout his career, you can't question his commitment to his craft. I mean, you, you know, you have to admire, you know, especially with the situation with where how it ended with the Clippers and how he's held, you know, you know 
his end of the bargain with the uh, uh, Pistons. You hope it works out to where, you know, it can at least be amicable between him and Detroit, which it should be. And that, you know, for both ends, they benefit from, you know, his eventual departure to where he can move on to better opportunities and Detroit obviously can continue their focus on the future. But one thing that clearly has stood out about this team this year, Omari, in terms of the Pistons, these guys are giant killers. Like, I know that they may have one of the worst records in the league, but it, you almost, to bet for them, if they're facing off against a clear playoff or title contender this year, I believe uh, seven of their eight wins have come against teams that are either in the top five or six of the Eastern or Western Conference this season. And just, you know, with the game tonight versus the Grizzlies, I'm not saying the Grizzlies are on that level, but what has been the consistent theme in those wins? Is it the consistency of Jeremy Grant? along with, you know, the additional, you know, great play of a DeLone Wright or a Plumley or a Bay, you know, what has stood out individually as far as guys on the roster? And is there, you know, a, an emerging trend, a difference-making trend for this team that gives them a good shot against teams that, you know, just on paper have better talent? Yeah, so when Trey took over last summer, uh, pretty much from day one, his MO was, we are going to compete. Um, you know, I think it was, you know, you're never going to outright say we are, you know, not trying to make the playoffs. But, you know, I think from the way that they built the roster, it was clear that, you know, this was not like a win-down situation. They're going to take the long road a little bit and just get young guys in and let them de- develop. But they always said we're going to compete every night. And they said that they want their veterans to lead the way, create that competition in the locker room, on the court, you know, set that positive example and create a situation where, uh, the the young guys have have to earn their minutes, and that's just going to be handed to them. You know, Isaiah Stewart has to outplay Jaleel Okafor and Mason Plumlee to get his minutes. Uh, Sadiq Bay has to outplay Josh Jackson and and Wayne Ellington to get his his minutes. So, uh, I think they've 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 done that. You know, it's been a com- competitive environment. The team hasn't laid down for any of their games, and I think a lot of nights, you know, I think they've been their own worst enemy. Like last night, you know, we see them have a twenty five point lead against. Uh, the, the Bulls, you know, with like two minutes and 39 seconds before halftime. And then they just completely fold, you know, in the second half. And it's like, well, what happened there? But that's just how the games have been. You know, they've had games and they've trailed by 20 points and they closed the gap. Uh, you know, and they've had games when they were up big and just through a combination of this being a, a new young team, they just couldn't hold on to it. But no, I mean, they've had the hardest schedule in the NBA. Uh, you know, that's been a, a, a constant. And they really have not laid down any night. I mean, there's probably only been maybe four or five games this season that they were just not in the game at all. And more often than not, it's either been they had the lead and just couldn't hang on to it or they had a deficit and they battled back and made it interesting toward the end. Uh, their their net rating is like in the upper 20s, I believe. You know, they haven't performed like a playoff team. But, you know, you look, you look at the numbers and it's clear that they are not as bad as their record. You know, off the top of my head, just so people know, you know, they've beat the Celtics twice this year. They've beat the Sixers. They beat the Nets. They beat the Heat. And I know the Heat are in a bit of a down year, but, you know, still a team that made the, the, the finals, you know, just like four months ago. Uh, no, there's two other good good wins in there that are taking my head right now. But, uh, you know, I think, I think opposing teams have realized that you cannot uh, play the, the Pistons and rest at all, you know, like because this is a, a scrappy team. And, uh and yeah, they, you know, I think they've done exactly what the front office said that they wanted to do, you know, which is compete every single night. Uh, I think it's been a more fun season for fans because of that. You know, you know, no matter the opponent, you know, the Pistons are going to put up a good fight. 
And I think it is good for the young guys when you're in an environment where the expectation is for you to win. Uh, you know, I think we saw the Sixers a few years ago. You know, you see some guys get in trouble, and um, and, and 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 losing is hard. It doesn't matter what the organizational goal is. Losing does not feel good. Uh, yeah, I just think it's better for you know, and like it makes it more interesting to cover too as a re- re- reporter. I don't think you know reporters enjoy covering you know teams that seem like they they don't care and they're just going out and they're losing. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's it's it, Certainly has not felt like a rebuilding season. You know, it just feels like this team is underperforming relative to, you know, maybe where their talent level actually is. And that's much better than I think maybe people expected six months ago. Um, you know, you have rookies that are stepping up. And then Jeremy Grant, I think it all starts with him. You know, he's one of the best two-way players in the NBA, and he sets that uh, tone. So, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see where the season ends up. But, you know, it's only really for like an eight-win team, and their schedule should get a lot easier. So we'll see how they look during the second half. And speaking specifically to the Grizzlies matchup with the Pistons tonight, I think there's a bit of similarity um, in terms of, you know, how well these teams' defenses turn opportunities into offense is really a big key as to whether or not they're going to win. It seems like that for Detroit, a couple of advantages for them are their ability to create turnovers as well as their ability to get to the free throw line. And that overcomes their overall lack of a lot of three-point depth. They need to rely on a lot like the Grizzlies. They need to rely on having more shot opportunities at the end of the game than their opponents. And so I think a couple of keys tonight, um, Omari, and back me up with you, if you think this is the case from Detroit's end, it's going to be which teams can create the most turnovers, which teams can defend the three better, and I also think at the end of the night, which team wins the battle in terms of overall shot attempts. I think whichever team wins two or two or more of those three categories, I think that's what's going to, what is going to predicate either Memphis winning when they should be the favorite or Detroit once again uh, getting the win as the underdog. I think so too, and I think when you look at how these teams are are built, there are some similarities. You know, the Pistons have a lot of guys who are between six seven and six ten who are just really versatile guys, and uh, the Grizzlies are kind of the same way. So, Memphis has a lot of guys that can throw at uh, Jeremy Grant to try to slow him down. Uh, you know, you have Brandon Clark, you have Kyle Anderson, Dylan. You know, like all guys who look like they're plus defenders. Uh, you know, I, I really do think that the team that shoots the ball better will probably win. Uh, you know, the Pistons, they're one of the better free throw shooting teams in, in the uh, league. You know, they do generate a good amount of their offense at the line, which I think has kept them in games, uh, even when they haven't always shot well. Um, but at the same time, they haven't always gotten consistent shooting. You know, I think you're, when your best shooter uh, or one of your best two shooters are a Ricky, uh, you're going to have some inconsistency there. And, uh, yeah, and Sadiq's been good, but he has been a rookie. You know, you're not going to expect him to uh, be on his end game every single night just because he's still adapting to the NBA. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it definitely should be a fun matchup. Uh, un- unfortunately, we won't be able to see Ja versus Killian. Uh, Killian really was defensively strong in the seven games, not so great at offensively, but I think defensively as a playmaker, he showed that he belonged to the NBA. Uh, so the Pistons will probably miss him there. But, uh yeah, no, you know, these two teams are in similar points in their rebuild. You know, maybe the Grizzlies are a year ahead because they're the year sooner. But, uh, yeah, a lot of similarities, a lot of youth, a lot of versatile, smart guys. Uh, I think it'll be a fun guy. 
And I will agree also, and certainly, at least from my end, hope that Killian gets back and healthy. Um, you know, having that young point guard that can be a difference maker is, is so, so intriguing and so important. You know, we see that across the league now, you know, a train Atlanta, LaMelo and Charlotte, Ja here, Luca, if you want to call him a port guard in Dallas, you know, you hope that Killian is on that level in Detroit. Certainly hope him the best of help. But Omari, you know, we could spend, like I say, another two hours sitting here, you know, once again, coming up with the new Avengers list between the Pistons and the, uh, uh, the uh, um, Grizzlies, but I won't waste your time with all that. I will yeah. say, where can people here in Memphis find your work? Always great work. I love your interactions and reading uh, your articles on the Pistons, um, but just where can they find your work? How can they follow you? And do you have anything upcoming, you know, as we head into uh, the end of the first half and the all-star break in the NBA? Yeah, for sure. Appreciate that. Uh, people can follow me at my first and last name, Omari Sankofa. That's O-M-A-R-I-S-A-N-K-O-F-A. I can read my work at the Detroit Free Press. That's uh, freep, F-R-E-P.com. Um, and, you know, I think the biggest storyline for Tristan's right now is just what's going to resolve with just Blake's situation. So I figure, you know, Grizzlies fans may not be too interested in Blake Griffin, but we're going to have more coverage of that if it interests any of you. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, I guess we have only a few weeks left for the midway point. So uh, we'll definitely be following the Pistons and, and the Grizzlies still because, again, I just think the Grizzlies are a fun team. And, you know, it's not even just be <laughs> following my former team. It's, you know, it's a, a fun squad, and, and uh, I think it's been a, a, a fun season for them. And it won't be just when the Grizzlies and Pistons cross, cross paths. We'll always make sure to try to reach out to Amari to to talk with him every few months. And again, you can follow his great work on Twitter. Um, and, and obviously, I get through the Detroit Free Press. That's correct, right, Amari? That's right. Okay, gotcha. All right. Always a wonderful gentleman to talk to, Amari, if you'll stick with us for just a second after the show. But can't thank you enough. Again, you can find myself at Stats SAC, the podcast at Locked on Grizz. Anywhere the podcast is available, that's where we are. Great guests like Amari are on routinely as well as our coverage of the Grizzlies in another exciting game tonight with the Pistons. We'll be back with you tomorrow to talk with you about the Pistons game and also looking forward to the Suns game. And we'll also have you all the way through the next few weeks as the Grizzlies wind down the first half of the season. For Amari Sankofa, my name is Sean Coleman. Can't thank you enough for listening. Hope you have a great end of your week, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.